Now 2023 can really kick off. Welcome to the first Wonder podcast of the year. This is the Wanderer Podcast. Many thanks for downloading. My name is Phil Slatter. I'm your host and I'm joined by my co-hosts Simon Hall and George Taylor. Coming up, we're going to be looking at the match day experience at Wickham Wanderers. We're going to be discussing the previous matches and of course there's the usual look ahead to the upcoming games. Uh, Simon, George, welcome to the pod. Uh, how are we all doing this evening? Yeah, right, Phil. Thanks, yeah. Phil. Hello. Excellent. Now, we are recording this the day after the 1-0 defeat to Sheffield Wednesday, which the three of us actually watched together for the first time in a long time. I can't remember the last time we uh, sat and watched a, a match as a, as a trio. Um, it was a slightly disappointing result and uh, performance, but nonetheless, when Simon and I last spoke before Christmas, we were on the back of some indifferent form, some OK results, some poor results, but largely some fairly disappointing performances. Even if the results were OK, the performances always left a little bit to be desired. But since that break, uh, the 19th of November, we lost to Cheltenham. We then had a two-week break before uh, the Portsmouth game. Things have pretty much improved vastly. 2-0 victory over Portsmouth, a decent point at Lincoln, a great victory over Ipswich, victories over Bristol Rovers and Peterborough. And the only two blemishes on the record are narrow defeats to the table-topping Plymouth and the second place currently Sheffield Wednesday. So what do you guys think has changed in that time? Well, that's Perth on the spot, isn't it? Um, first of all, hello. I, I was really pleased to be at Adams Park uh, yesterday for the Sheffield Wednesday game. Um, my first trip to Adams Park in what seems like quite a long time, but I have been watching pretty much every game. So you I live am in VPN, do I live. I live in VPN world. Um, I, I dart or I'm a globe trotter. Sometimes I'm in Texas. Sometimes I'm in Bar- Barbados. It, it's a tough life that someone's got to live it. So. Um, I think I, I don't actually think a huge amount has changed. I think it's just um, different systems, different players coming in and out has has, has clicked. And we've, we've had a relative run of, I'm going to say we've had a relative run of injury free, but we've had a relatively consistent team. And I think the the obvious one to say is Josh Scowen um, having, having a uh, injury free um, few weeks has you know, it changed when he plays. We're a different team, um, and 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 he's everything centers around him. He was brilliant again uh, yesterday at Sheffield Wednesday. Um, he's quite easily um, the the standout player for us um, in, in controlling games, um, and we definitely miss him when he's not there. And I think I think he's he's the sort of linchpin that we that we sort of sit around. Um, uh, the likes of Tafazoli be, um, being fit again. Um, has has been has been um, a real positive. Um, Grimmer coming in at centre back, um, he's he's I think he's been performing particularly well. He's, he's possibly one of our best players 
um, yesterday. So, so I think it's, it's a combination of lots of things. I don't think you can put your finger on, on one particular aspect of it. But Sam, we've suddenly, we've, we've always been a tough side to beat, but <clears throat> is this now looking a bit like the Wickham of last season? We've been comfortably beat Peterborough. We comfortably beat um, Portsmouth getting the, the killer goals, and we weren't hanging on at the end. Against Ipswich, it was a bit more of a game we had to dig it out, but it does suddenly feel like this was the team that went on that fantastic run to make the playoffs back in um, April and May of last year. It, it certainly does. Uh, can't disagree with George's points on Scown and Tafazoli, and I think that also uh, aligns with your point. I think having those guys in, for the most part, last year as well made a big difference. Um, I also think... so. It's, First and foremost, a Wickham fan now, as opposed to a Wickham fan end of November, my glass is much, much more half full than half empty. I think we said just before on the last pod that we could end up looking down the table with the games that are coming up. But it's been a very, very encouraging period for us. So that's one thing I wanted to say. But what I would say as well is, um, in answer to your original question, in terms of what's changed, I alluded to this before. We raise our game against the bigger teams. We always I say we always have done. You could. It sounds like a cliche, but I think I genuinely think it always the feels games, that way. Even if it feels that way. Then. It feels that way, and we we tend to tend to play better football. Tend, Gareth tends to get us hyped up for those games, uh, and I think that plays into it as well. There's obviously lots of parts of points that George has made as well, but I do think the fact that they're bigger games against bigger teams and actually teams that allow us to play football as well, to be honest, put, put, works quite well for us. I mean, we started with that, that game against Portsmouth and when you were listening to some of the stats on Sky, it kind of felt like they were a side that was in form and was picking up and then you actually went through their results in the league and they were very much a side uh, on a downward spiral and I thought they were an gotcha. extremely poor team. So in some respects, a big name like Portsmouth, a side that was in an okay position in the league, although they weren't in, weren't in nearly as good a position as they were at the start. And with that being on Sky, it was kind of the perfect match for us, wasn't it? To kickstart this run and to put in what I think was, I think our worst performance of the season was against Cheltenham. And I think suddenly we came up against Portsmouth and, and produced to that point our best performance. And certainly, and this was what we really discussed on the last point, our most complete performance. Because even in the past, when we won games such as the Peterborough home game, we've been poor for large spells. Whereas Portsmouth and then to a degree Ipswich, Bristol Rovers, and certainly uh, Peterborough on New Year's Day, it was from beginning to end. It was, you know, there was nothing you could really pick a hole in, sort of say, oh, there was a 15 minutes there or we were poor for the first half. They were complete performances. So we're very much playing like a cohesive team for 90 minutes all of a sudden. Yeah, we were. We were. And quite right, the point you made in terms of playing at the right time. I've got a few friends, I'm sure you guys have, who are Portsmouth fans, and and uh, they weren't too surprised to see to see the, the, the sacking of them. Oh, guys, just get my name. Someone help me ben out. Cowley. Thank you very much, Cowley. They weren't too surprised to see him go. Um, at the start of the season, it looked very good for them. They started off very strongly, didn't they? Mm. And then it just dropped off. And so I think we played them at a very good time. And I sort of the point I made before is we can actually start to play football. It allows us to move the ball around. This sort of team allows us to do that really worked to our favour. I suppose the contrast, George, is with the teams up near the top. If you look at the Ipswich game, we took the lead and then we we were superbly organised for the for the remainder of that game. Really well disciplined at the back, kept our shape, and limited them to very few clear cut chances. Strike had some routine saves, nothing too difficult. 
and you hear all the talk on on social media about how we you know, game management and cheating and all that but in truth that was just a very small part of it and we needed to we, we i think we deserved a lot of credit for just how well we how well disciplined we were at the back contrast that with sheffield wednesday when we conceded first and we were still very strong at the back and fairly well disciplined but the problem was we needed to get forward a bit more and needed to try and create a bit more, but it was very difficult against such a well-drilled, well-organised side. So it's almost like the first goal so important in both of those games, wasn't it? Gareth Ainsworth's the absolute master of uh, of that situation at Ipswich. And I think his, I was joking with some other uh, other fans last week when uh, Newcastle beat, or Newcastle drew against Arsenal. It was a very Gareth Ainsworth-like uh, performance from Newcastle, um, saying that uh, uh, they must have been on the phone to uh, Ainsworth at some point to get some tips. And we can probably expect a lone player coming down from Newcastle to learn learn the dark arts. Um and and I I think it was that's um, just a small part. It was a, it, isn't it? It's, it is a small. No, what what I'm saying I allude to the dark arts. What I mean is is the is the 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 drills that they must do on the training ground to um, basically snuff out teams and and snuff out attacks. Um, and 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 as you say, it's game management is actually quite a broad um, term for what is um, you know um, controlling a game essentially. Um, to to the way in which you want to control it, so and I, and and Ainsworth does does that perfectly, and and we again we saw that against Sheffield Wednesday, and the the problem in that game really was um, we were very good uh, in our own half of getting the ball forward, and certainly in the um, in the first first half of the opposition's half, as it were, we were we were excellent as well. But the the closer we got to goal, the more our um, the more blunt we looked, um, and and players like Mametti were kind of felt forced to sort of take on three players and and try and produce you know world worldly balls um uh, that simply were never going to happen and 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 that was the frustration i think from the fans yeah it felt like we were playing a, it felt like we were playing against a championship team actually and we was we, we felt the pressure of it sheffield wednesday i mean gareth already said this isn't he that he, he fully expects them to win the league and they just said something about them i think much more so than bid ipswich i've granted i didn't watch that game from what i've read up be ipswich for the plymouth sheffield wednesday look a class above i think but we've got we played them at a very bad time for us they want they've got wind in their sails haven't they yeah it, it just I just felt at times that our passing wasn't necessarily bad in the final third, but they were just so quick to to cut it out and they were so sharp. And even when they did, the defender did sort of lose the ball. It was very, very quick to reset and very quick to regain possession. And I've come to the conclusion, um, perhaps a bit slower than some others, but that is exactly what it takes to get out of this division. And we've seen big teams come into this division and struggle because I think they try and play this expansive football. But the reason we've been successful in this league for two years and two of the last three years and now this season while we're doing well is because we are so hard to beat and so hard to break down and that's what Sheffield Wednesday has become that's what Sunderland did last year you know they sacked their manager in February when they were they drew three all with us and they lost six nil and then a new man comes in and just made them really really resolute and really well organized and that is the fundamentals of what you've got to be in order to get promoted what you do on top of that in terms of how many goals you're going to score and how you play whether you're going to play a passing game or more direct style doesn't really make a huge amount of difference it depends on your resources and the players you got but if you're hard to break down that is i think probably 60 percent of the battle to, to get out of this division um so the signs are promising and um, for us now we're sitting just outside the playoffs um, automatic promotion 
it's probably gone, isn't it? Because the gap is so big, it looks like a three-way tussle and then quite a few teams involved in that playoff uh, playoff hunt. If we are to make the playoffs, what do you think we need to do in the January transfer window, if anything? I think what you alluded to there, Phil, is, is probably we don't need to do a huge amount. Um, the, the personnel that we've got in... Um, does that does that job that you just described of a way of getting out of the league pretty well? Um, speaking to other people, I'm, I'd like to think that I'm a good judge of these things, but um, a lot of people are sort of looking for a striker. But then I think every football fan's always looking for a striker for their team, aren't they? Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, Twenty goal a season, man. Like there's loads of them just kicking around. Like they grow on trees. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a tricky one. I mean, folks possibly isn't having the best season. Um, or the season that we may be expected from him. Um, he's certainly and, not hit last uh, season's heights, is he? No, he's, 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 his level's no, nowhere near it. And he came on yesterday and and to be fair to him, he didn't see a huge amount of the ball, but at, at, the, at the same time, you know, he didn't, didn't really do anything when he did see the ball. So it's a, it's a tricky one with him at the moment because, you know, the pedigree's there. And when you've got a player who's got that kind of pedigree, it's difficult to... Uh, imagine them on in bad form or, or or not playing well. So it's so it's a funny funny one with him. But um, I I I don't I think we we, we know full well that, that Ainsworth's very very canny with his transfers. Um, he'll he'll leave things late. Um, I suspect that a couple more um, development team players may well come in, as particularly as we've, we've uh, a couple have gone out the door, the likes of El Hamadi, etc. So um, there might be there might be some room for. Uh, a couple of those players to come through, and you never know, you know what that what they'll end up uh, end up being. So, but I I don't expect a huge amount of activity that's surrounding the first team, to be honest. And that, Simon, I think we talked about it in the past, is the whole point of a development squad, isn't it? To have those players to bring in to give well, them the opportunity. But I, I think yeah. you've also said that maybe someone like um, Mella hasn't quite hit that grade, and we've seen Alhamdi go out as well. So. Is the development squad working? What what caliber yeah. players are there, and are they are they going to be good enough for a League One playoff running? Have you read my script, Phil? I was about to say <laughs> that. I've got to figure something else on the, on the fly now. Now, joking aside, I think I think the players that have gone out, you know, Hogan's gone, hasn't he? Uh, and uh, Alhamdi, as you mentioned, as well, has gone. Um, I th- I think we are due a, a, a signing to give us just that kick to the end of the season. I mean. Yes, I, I appreciate your points. 20, 20 goal a season in, in, in League One, you just don't find them really. But I do think we need some fresh legs up front. I think Hanlon's shown he's shown some desire in the last few games. He obviously got that, that cracking goal recently. I think he, I thought he looked good against Sheffield Wednesday. He's got the energy, but I think we need someone else up there. Mello hasn't Mello hasn't necessarily uh, pushed his way into, into into contention. Unfortunately, I, I think I think Gareth Ainsworth was hoping for another Metti, as you alluded to, Phil. But Pattenden hasn't necessarily done it. I think I think. We could be expecting uh, a, a decent sign-in up front for us. Well, that's, that's for hope, at least. I think we could do with one, to be honest. What, a, what about TJ Debar? I mean, we know what happened at the end of the game against Plymouth. Oh, that, that sadly overshadows what was a, a really good performance from him. And when he came on, I thought he looked excellent, full of pace, full of running. Um, and he looked like he could he could do, do the damage. And it was a shame that we didn't have him um, available yesterday. And hopefully we'll be back soon. And another yep. one is um, Sully Kaikai. I mean, he's not getting very much game time at all. So should we 
maybe many many believe he deserves more game time i've seen a few messages uh, knocking about today and yesterday saying he deserves certainly he certainly merits more game time so yeah they're, they're two the two players that certainly should be pushing i agree with you yeah 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 i mean the, the part of the problem is george that the strikers just aren't really scoring i mean mccleary's got a few um playing up playing forward and mametti but then we said no handling with one goal votes has only got three this season not scored for a while so I mean, fortunately, we've got the likes of Tafazoli and Wing uh, that can can find the net, and we are sharing the goals out amongst the team, which I'd rather have than relying on one person. But if we could just find someone with a bit of something about them up front, I mean, who who would you think to bring in? Someone experienced or take a chance on someone if you were to do that? Well, one of the, one of the names that's been banded around our WhatsApp group in the last week or so is Connor Wickham. Um, after he's left uh, Forest Green Rovers now. Um, I think the, the consensus is, is that he might actually be quite a handy signing. Um, if nothing else, the marketing department can have an absolute field day with the uh, name connection. But that aside, he um, is playing, been playing quite well for, for FGR, presumably. Um, it's difficult to know what his wage demands would be. Um, I've just been looking on Google in the last couple of moments and I can't see that he's actually, he's, he hasn't signed for anyone. He's been linked with Rotherham um, and he's actually been linked with Sheffield Wednesday as well. So he could be an interesting one. of The, the problem, I suppose, is with him is you've got to keep him fit. But if you can keep him fit to the end of the season, um, you know, it's a possibility, isn't it? Yeah, and it might, it might be a bit like for like. You know, we've got votes in the building going to take a chance on someone like that. Is he going to be any better? What about Piazu boys? Bring him back. Absolutely I, not. I'm, I'll be. I'll, I, I'll, I'll be. I'll be behind that. We hadn't, hadn't done anything wrong for Wickham. The, yeah. The, but... the, the, the issue I have with, with him is um, I was speaking to someone who was at the games, uh, the, the behind closed door games during during lockdown, and uh, he said one one thing was incredibly obvious is that he's literally the Forrest Gump of league football and that you have to tell him everything, everything to do. And it's literally like, you know, run, run Forrest, you know, run. And, uh, and when he does, and when he gets, the, when he's got the, got the ball in front of goal, clearly he's, he's you know, he's a talent, talented boy. Yes, he listens. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I think, I think from a coaching management point of view, I think he's desperately hard work. Interesting that, theory. That strikes me as not an Ainsworth player. I no, imagine. No, I, I, I suspect. Pitch. I suspect Ainsworth was 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 more than happy with the transfer. Yeah, we got a million more than happy, feet, didn't we? Something like yeah, that. We, we, got, we got a serious serious yeah, amount of cash. get for, banded for, about, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Neil Warnock yeah. sort of dismissed one of the higher figures as, as nonsense. But oh, I anyway, I mean, it, it, it's refreshing that we don't need wholesale changes. Um, it's nice that we need a left back, we need a centre back, and three midfielders, and two centre forwards, and a goalkeeper. A la Gary Waddock, remember his days when it was pretty much made and signed an entirely new team. And full of loans. Yeah, we played Hartlepool once in February of 2012, uh, and there were 10 outfield players, and not a single one of them had started on the opening day of that season, which was just a real sign that his um, transfer policy in the summer had completely and utterly failed. Um, and we won the game 5 0, but it was a bit like, yeah, you're getting the ringers in here, you're kind of trying to wing it and ultimately yeah. it didn't didn't pay off. Boys, Romeo, Romeo Beckham might get us some headlines. Yeah. 
<laughs> Don't he's doing it for Brentford B quite yet. Well, if he if he could uh, get a, get in a decent cross to Vokes, that's what I always say with Vokes. If he gets the service, <laughs> he, he will score. So maybe someone's keep an eye on. Who knows? We will see um, what happens in regards to players coming and going. Hopefully, Mimetti will stay. Um, I think with his contract not due to expire until the end of next season, I don't see any reason why we should um, listen to any silly offers. I mean, if there's a big offer, then maybe yes. But personally, I'd be quite happy of us just keeping him till the summer. And that gives us the best chance of, of making the playoffs and getting into the into the, the championship. So we'll we'll see how things pan out. Just moving away from on the pitch to things off the pitch. A lot has been talked about the match day experience at Adams Park and it being improved and not improved. And there's been discussions about whether it was right that we were allowing the some sections of what are usually home areas uh, to away fans and prices and areas like that. But what one thing would you like to see at Adams Park to improve your own match day experience? I'll let George lead on this one. Well, George, you put this on Twitter earlier. Gonna, so. I was going to say, okay, so I'll start off then. So I, me, Simon and I went to the game yesterday. We actually got there quite early um, because obviously you need to park relatively early to get a half-decent parking space. And we got there about quarter past one, uh, so an hour and 45 minutes before kickoff, and we struggled to park. Um, we ended up parking quite a way away from the ground um, and that's not a brilliant start to the match day experience but that's nothing new we, you know we've been living that for a few decades now so um, but the one thing I, I did feel that could be improved um, and it's quite a small thing but I think it can actually make quite a big big difference is I really like the the the, the beer tent I like the tent in the in the car park I, I, I don't mind going in there before before a game you know milling around having a, having a couple of beers and it is proving quite popular um the problem I have is, is I quite like going in there and look, watching say the second half of the the 12 30 kickoff which yesterday was the Manchester derby and you've got a huge TV in there which is which is brilliant but really it's surrounded by by people and the a dozen people at the at the front can see it and then everyone else is kind of looking over shoulders and and things like that what that area could really benefit from is having that tv up on up on the ceiling and it sounds a bit weird in the tent but i i don't know how logistically it's possible it is but i'm the the frame is actually quite substantial so i'm fairly sure that it could be it could be done i don't think it's it's beyond the realms of, of getting it done or certainly having even having two of those tvs at either end and i think it would definitely you know improve the improve the experience at no end you could even look at putting one putting one outside so i, I think something like that it's a small little thing it's probably not going to cost a huge amount of money to do but it would certainly entice me to turn up at the ground a bit earlier if i could if i could see that um obviously you know you've got the option of going in the, in the bars etc but I do find the veer suite um you know or can get quite claustrophobic and the queue to get in today yesterday was you know again it was we we're only there about half half one or something like that and the queue was around the corner it could so, it you could know, entice the, you to get there a bit later though because you might sort of think well if we're not going to get there for kickoff there's no point in going so if you put the screen up higher i think well even if we get there late we can stand and we're only going to see the second half we can stand there late and stand there at the back and still see the screen so possibly yeah you know i mean yeah, possibly in a weird way but um it would encourage people to come rather than not come at all if you can't make can't get there early you just don't go yeah i, I think i think I, from from a personal point of view it would it would encourage me to go certainly at, a, at an earlier time than i would than if i was just 
basically going to going to get in there for kickoff. If I if I had the option that I knew I'd be able to sort of kind of watch that game and and, and mm. get a beer. That's that's another thing is is getting a beer relatively easy. Now I know this is an age old problem with virtually every sports ground yeah. in the world. And I think uh, you've but, but yes. Yesterday was was particularly tricky. Simon, Simon went up to just to get a couple of cokes, and the queue was the queue was round the corner, and we thought yeah. it was just it was just not going to bother. The problem is you're always you know you're always going to have queues when you have big crowds. You're always going to have queues, and there's no people complaining about well, I had to queue for this, I had to queue for that. You, wherever you go, you're going to have queues, and there are things you can do to limit the queues and have more servers and, and um, more people selling. And they've gone to cashless entry, which I think has improved the queues, but it's always going to happen. Well, on, I mean, on that point, I, what something I thought about was this proper blue sky thinking in the, in the summer when it's nice, it's, it's hot and people are standing outside. You can have people go around with those big old backpacks and the guns to fill rugby, up beers. Yeah. They have it yeah. at rugby. That would work a treat. And obviously the club would make a lot more money out of it. So, Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think there are people are talking about things that, that stew a little bit. And I think leaking roofs and the fact that where we sit, there's always the water doesn't drain properly when it's rained. So we end up, we were basically sitting with our feet in um, half an inch of water. Can't put your bag down under the seat. Um, things like that. I know that that would require probably extra concrete on the, on the, in the stands, but could they not clean that up before kickoff? Someone going through with a broom. I think it's just little, there are a lot of little areas that the club yeah, could work on. Feel that there's a strong argument that Adams Park's feeling it's age all of a sudden, you know. Well, this is, this is part of the thing. For a while. I mean, they've added... They've added, you know, they've done free Wi-Fi and cashless, which I think has helped with the queuing. Um, some people still moan about it, but I don't. I think that's a, largely a positive thing because everyone carries card these days. But my big one is the toilets. I mean, I think the toilets are horrible, uh, especially in the family stands. They're dingy. There's no hot water. There's no proper hand drying facilities. There's not enough ladies' toilets, um, and they really sort of need almost gutting and, and starting again. Because I remember when Adams Park was new, the toilets there were, were quite good, but they've not had work done on them for a long time. And I think some of those under undercurring elements are quite important. And it's all very well saying about the Wi-Fi and we're going to have the big screen and you know, all this sort of nice add-ons, but then you've got to get some of the fundamentals have, have got to be improved. And I think that is a huge one that really needs significant investment uh, and um, significant development. Um, uh, I think in some areas of the ground it's slightly better, but nonetheless, my personal one is 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 that I think that that really really has to be seriously looked into and seriously invested in because I think it's important. And if you miss it, you I miss part of the game because you're sitting in a dingy toilet. It's not a very good experience. The issue I have, and it, I think I mentioned this to George. I don't be careful my words here. Is all the decisions at the moment seem to be very much co- direct commercial decisions, and the yeah. points you're making are more about lifetime value for fans, giving them a better experience, but not necessarily commercial drivers. And that's, and I get it, I get it what the colleagues are doing, they're trying to get money in the club and all that sort of stuff. Mm. But it just feels like all those kind of things are probably on the back burner. You know, we'll do yeah. those later because they're not having direct direct commercial impact. And that's how it, that's how it sits with me. It's like they've got, they've, like, got a cake. they've got a cake that's slightly stale, but they've done some lovely decorative icing on it. Nice analogy. It's, yep. it's, it's, it's a little bit like that in areas. And, and I know some things are easier to fix than others. And, you know, I'm not saying that the toilets, they should just fix it in a week because I think what I think it does need is serious work. It would need to be done in the summer. Same with fixing leaking roofs. But, you know, the Kings have owned this club for three years now. And that's a lot. That's a lot of time. And I think we really, fans really want to see some significant 
improvements in that regard um, because that's it's all important uh, and we know about the t-bars they need redoing so they can offer more i don't spend anything at the t-bars now when i do go or rarely when i do go there i don't usually have to queue now partly that's because it's cashless but also because it's very expensive and there's not much choice so i used to spend sort of four or five quid on the t-bar every game and now i spend nothing there because the prices are, I think, too high in a lot of regards. I don't think like, tea and coffee is too expensive, but things like sweets and drinks are. Uh, and like I said, it, it's too expensive and the choice isn't there. The chips aren't there. We know about that as well. So, uh, again, I think that's another area. And the tea bars and the toilets are kind of linked in the same sort of building part of the ground, if you know what I mean. So that's something that, again, needs serious investment. And that could be a commercial driver, couldn't it? It's like when you see those yeah. um, those Twitter Twitter accounts where um, you know they they compare uh, match day food at, at different grounds up and down the country, and people post their photos of it and the price of it, and some of it is brilliant. You know, the, some of it it's inventive, it's 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 fresh, it's new, it's well priced, it looks good, great value. So it, it, that proves it can be done. You know, it, other other clubs are doing it, and even if we go, when you go to local games, you know, if you go. Um, you know, Simon and I quite often go to Flackwell Heath when, when we're on at home. Um, and the tea bar there is absolutely superb. You can get a really great burger and chips for, for a fiver. Um, it's, it's brilliant value. So it proves it can be done. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I've always said the proof with, with the pricing is, are they making more money? Because if they are, then fair enough. You can't really argue with that. But the prices have gone up. Are. Which is are. fair enough. You know, they said they want to make it as a, a money-making experience. Um, they want the club to break even or make money which is a challenge but if, if they um, are improving in that regard great if not what can they do um, differently and how can we we help that to improve it for the club and improve for ourselves and I mean this, these issues about people having their seats moved for the Ipswich game and then for Sheffield Wednesday I, I don't really see a big problem with that I know it makes the queue a bit bigger but if we can sell extra tickets and that's going to bring in an extra 20 grand a game then I don't see an issue. And it's something that's not new. We've been doing it for years. I remember in the 90s, everyone in the family stand had to move because the whole family stand was given to Watford fans. We've seen Luton taking over the um, what, what used to be the main stand. That's happened with Sunderland on two of their three visits to Adams Park. It happened with Port Vale as well. So it's a, it's a great atmosphere thing. as well. <clears throat> it's a good atmosphere, isn't it? I mean, more of the away fans in makes it a better atmosphere. So yeah, I mean, I'm all for that. I think that's yeah. enhances I mean, the game, doesn't it? I think part of the issue is the way it was communicated to some of the fans wasn't ideal. And one thing I have a bit of a gripe with, I mean, if you sit in those areas that get moved, you can go and move to a different area, maybe a better priced seat for the, um, a, a better seat for the same price in the upper tier or whatever what have you but when they sort of say as a thank you we're going to give you a free match ticket for a friend and i think you're inconvenienced the season ticket holder um and yet their mate gets a free ticket so i don't really see that that's it's a nice gesture on one level but i do think you should maybe offer those people that move something else as well because you're not sort of compensating them you're actually compensating their friend so maybe you offer them you know a free free drink voucher or a money off voucher at the t-bar something like that as well um, for, for the inconvenience. And as, as many people have said, it just needs to be communicated a little bit better. I don't think a lot of people have a lot of problem with it. I do hear some nonsense about the people are going to be moved. They're not going to renew their season tickets. Maybe they might think about where they're going to sit their season tickets, but um, you know, if, if it brings in extra money, then great. But it, again, it could be a commercial driver. If you sort of say, right, we're going to bring in 
we're going to do this three times. It's going to bring in an extra 60 to 70,000 pounds. We're going to use that money to improve this, this, and this at the ground. That would be good publicity, wouldn't it? It'd be great publicity. Um, I'm aware that we're a little bit short on time, chat, so I'm just going to run through this very quickly. But I've been on social media, and it's a murky old world, and I, I never get my head around it. But um, put a tweet out earlier on this subject, um, kind of thinking that we get a, a mixed bag, and actually we we, we did. Um, and I hope the if the Cooigs are listening, there's some brilliant market research being done here by by the team at uh, the Wonder of Podcast, and I expect our commission check will be in the in the post for that. Um, but the, there's a very uh, uh general consensus on 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 match day experience um atmosphere is mentioned in almost every every reply that we got um uh or lack of um on, on yesterday i think this was mostly more that um there was a, a disregard of um fan experience in pursuit of uh short-term revenue uh one of the tweets we got um i quote seems to be all about cash fan experiences not as good as it used to be no program and kiosk stupidly expensive um half time was chaos a thousand fans um got half the toilets five thousand got the other not enough facilities left the home fans um some people say they didn't necessarily feel completely safe with people pushing etc so uh, those are obviously um you know the, the, that's they're quite strong views there so i think uh the club definitely need to take those into into consideration yeah things like weather don't help do they I mean, when it's wet and you know slippery but maybe again that's something that they can think about and yeah it's the atmosphere is, is a tricky one because I think it didn't help yesterday that the game, I didn't think it was a poor quality game, but it wasn't a match full of excitement. There wasn't a lot of goal mouth action. There weren't a lot of, uh, well, well, weren't a lot of goals. Um, and to that end, I think that contributed to the fairly flat home atmosphere. I know the Wednesday fans sang, but then they were winning and they were away from home. So, you know, and then you contrast that with, the Milton Keynes match um, in the playoffs and what an amazing atmosphere that was because everyone was on such a high and bouncing, bouncing around. So there are things we can do to improve the atmosphere. Um, I think the acoustics in the terrace need to be looked at. <clears throat> I know that's something the Cougs have talked about, but we will see work to be done um, and improvements to be made. Definitely. I think that's, that's the, the bottom line is that there are things that they do need to, to, really work on and really put their money where their mouth is in, in some regard. But back to on the pitch matters. Next Saturday, we travel to Joey Barton's Bristol Rovers um, to see their magisterial, beautiful, wonderful football. All of our team of thugs boot the ball as far as they can. Um, how do you see that one going, Simon? Um, well, I think based on current form, I'd, I'd, I'd I'd like They're to think right we could, could win us. that game. They were right behind us. Right behind us, but we, but we've, key you know, we've, we, um, and we like playing the teams up and above, don't, up, up, up and around us. We we played very well against Sheffield Wednesday. We played very well against Ipswich. I'd actually, but where we're playing at the minute, I'd, I'd want to see us get a win. Now, I, I, I know, we, it, it, I believe it's away. I'm pretty sure it's that. Yeah, um, we played them at home very recently. Yeah, so I'd, I'd, I'd like to think we can get a win there. Just on current form, we have to we have to keep moving forward, right? But the way yeah. we're playing, the results we're getting, I think a win is something we want to get out of that. A draw probably wouldn't be the worst result given no, we beat them at home. Of course it wouldn't. Um, but yeah, like you say, if they're one of the sides in a very similar position, so it does sort of look like a real six-pointer and an opportunity to put some distance between ourselves and them. And then in a rearranged game, George, we welcome Oxford United. Um, sadly, that won't be wasn't supposed supposed to be back in back on the eighth or seventh of January. But Oxford's involvement in the FA Cup put pay to that. So it's a Tuesday night, which diminishes things slightly. Oxford 
bit of a funny one, really. They're not having, they've gone from losing the playoff final to losing the playoff semi finals to just missing out on the playoffs. And now it looks like they're going to finish mid table or maybe in the bot, even 13th, aren't they? Yes. They're definitely on a, on a, um, what you would argue is a slight decline. Um, I, it's a bit of a shame that this game is on Tuesday night, but it is what it is. And I think that, uh, uh they're, they're a real mixed bag. I think Wickham are on relatively good form, um, at the moment. And I don't see having too many issues with that. Um, one thing I will add is that all my research was on the Bristol Rovers game. Um, so I'll just put a couple of little points in there. Otherwise it will feel wasted. Um, I felt that uh, Bristol Rovers pick up most of their uh, points from teams um, below them. Um, I fancy Wickham. It's only been 26 days. It will, only, it will only be 26 days since we beat them. And I'd like you to go back into your records. And I don't think we've seen too many quick turnarounds like that in league games, um, which I thought was quite interesting. And um, I, I fancy our chances against both of these. I, I actually see six points coming from both of them. Said that Which before, is very optimistic for me. Said that before we had that run of uh, games in, in November when we were playing like Morecambe and Cambridge, Port Vale, Forest Green, and it didn't happen. And then we played those the tough run of games in December and early January and we picked up a lot of points. So I, tend, I don't but, tend to be this optimistic, though. But then so these, these so it's, a, it's a rare slides. thing. These are slides that no, this is Oxford a... having a funny time. But, but I think, yeah, we can be confident. I mean, even the defeats haven't been too damaging or, or too disappointing. If you do want to go to Bristol Rovers, then you can go on the Independent Sports Club coach, and that leaves at 10 o'clock and 10.15 the two times. That's from the um, train station, 10 o'clock, and then Handy Cross Hub at 10.15. And if you want to call Colin on 01494 536 270, you can book your place on that coach. Um, very, very quickly then, gentlemen, let's have a prediction for both of those two games I think Bristol Rovers is 2-1 again, and I think Oxford is 2-0 to Wickham. Simon? I'm going to go quickly because my laptop's going to cut out, I think. So I think Bristol Rovers 1-0, and I think Oxford 2-0. I'm going to go a 1-1 at Bristol, and then I'm going to say 3-0. We're going to be Oxford 3-0. So a bit more pessimistic and then a little bit more optimistic, but... Four points wouldn't be too bad. But that is it. Um, Many thanks for downloading. It's much appreciated. We are on Twitter at Wanderer Podcast. So do give us a follow. Send us any message, any feedback. Do spread the word. Uh, Until next time, thanks for listening and come on, you blues. Wandering with you.